The Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome back to a special Fantasy Premier League edition of the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Andrew is uh, off tonight, uh, traveling the East Coast as part of his job visiting NFL training camps. But it's Premier League kickoff That's pretty week. awesome, by the way. That's pretty yeah, awesome. very dope. Uh, we, yeah. we hope he puts a good word in for me uh, at the, the Ravens training camp tomorrow. I'm not sure what that would entail, but uh, still awesome nonetheless. Uh, but like I said, it is Premier League kickoff week. So uh, we're coming at you with, I think it's going to end up being three different podcasts this week. Uh, the first of which is just going to be a quick look at the fantasy Premier League season. Uh, for those of you uh, not aware, fan- there's fantasy football, there's fantasy basketball, and of course, there's fantasy soccer slash football. We like to play fantasy Premier League. You're given a budget of $100 million to go out and spend on 15 players. Five defenders, five midfielders, three forwards, and two goalkeepers. We've been doing this for what? How long, Javier? Like almost a decade uh, on and off? Yeah, about We were doing it back in high yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, since back we, in high school. So. We started on ESPN, uh, took a break for a couple of years during college when we maybe weren't as uh, deep into the fantasy Premier League scene and uh, jumped back on it on the Premier League's official website. So if you uh, haven't heard yet on one of the other episodes, the name of the league is the Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League. And if you uh, create your team first and uh, fill out all of the roster spots, you can go and search that league name and uh, enter the league code DMVNZ0, and that should give you access to the league. Uh, if you need to go reference that information, you can find it on uh, either our Twitter or Instagram page at Pod. So we're going to run through a bit of how we like to approach Fantasy Premier League, how we technically like to try and set our teams up, and then we're going to dive into a couple of uh, players you want to either stay away from or maybe even look to uh, get some value on lower down the uh, the price list uh, players of value so uh, let's start with our general setup uh, I don't know about you Javier but this season the pricing has been kind of frustrating the yeah, Premier it's League been, it's been sets way these too high I think I feel like they they're they're done with the bullshit of like you know everyone's gonna get their value picks and and they're easy players that are gonna you know grow a lot during the season especially the value of midfielders I feel like they they really tightened up on that. And, uh, well, and defenders, yeah. defenders, after defenders, the and midfielders. Yeah, for sure, both of those. Because I think both of those were maybe a, l- a little bit underpriced in previous years. So I think they're they're trying to make them now in the same same because they score as much or if not more than forwards. So yeah, they they should be priced pretty high. I I, I kind of agree with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see why they uh, do it to try and make it uh, not as easy overall. And then they're kind of relying on the fact that every year you're going to have a couple of players that kind of come out of nowhere. And like they're not going to catch every single player, even if they're, there's a big fee on them. Some player who other people weren't considering that much of a threat will what come is, out What is that 9.5 on Nicolas Pepe? That's... Hey man, you should be happy. You dropped much, eighty man. million on a player. He's going to be ranked as high as the likes of Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> He's right, he got the same price tag as Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so that's definitely an interesting one. But there's a whole host of interesting prices. Uh, we'll hit on a couple of them now. But in terms of my approach when it came to try to like uh, counter this whole insane pricing thing that's been going on this summer. I, I just kind of figured that at each position, uh, goalkeeper, defender, 
midfield and uh, forward, I was just going to pick one player, like regardless of price, who I was certain was going to give me some kind of return. You know, the, the highest priced players at all those positions, like I can go ahead and give away that I have Salah, you know, in my midfield. Everyone has, or half the half the teams in fantasy Premier League will probably have Mohamed Salah to start their season because of how favorable their opening uh, run of games is. So, uh, yeah, find a player. Don't care about what his price is. I just think this player is going to get me results, going to get me stats, whatever. They're going to play every single week. And just and just splash the cash on those players. If you give yourself four, you can go ahead and get creative uh, a little outside of that and try to find so-called diamonds in the rough. Other than that, so it, it, is that your approach at all, Javier? Are you looking at it from a different point of view? I kind of look at it from an, a little bit of like an investment point of view, where I try and find like you. I mean, one or two players that are you know big and they're going to start every game and get you points. But then I try and find a lot of um, a lot of players that maybe have room to grow, that are maybe new on teams or in that have moved up from like a lower team to a bigger team. And that might have uh, a big impact on their team. And I look to bring in those players early and then, you know, hope that they increase in value. And then as soon as they do increase in value, either keep them if they keep performing or flip them, you know, at the peak of their value and try and make a make like a profit in the actual value of the players. It takes a few weeks to do that and you need to watch the players really closely. But uh, I have also taken the approach this year, which I've seen. In the last couple of years has worked, which is investing more in my back line. Uh, it was something that I used to just put all my money in my forwards and in my midfielders and just have, you know, bare bones value defenders. But at this point, I've changed to, uh, you know, having really, really solid back line. And then at that point, you know, going from there. So uh, I've invested a lot more into my defenders this year than I have in previous years and then kind of spread the money out in, in the midfield and in the forwards. But so, that's that was my approach this year. So one thing I was reading about uh, the other day was the fact that I think last season was the first time uh, for 10 years or something that there was a defender in the top 10 in terms of scoring, total scoring in fantasy Premier League. And there were three defenders. I think it was Robertson, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and I think Lucas Dinier were all in the, the, the top 10. And it was the first time that any defender had been in the top set 10 for 10 years. So that kind of screams outlier at you. But then again, Liverpool's defense is, you know, still just as good. Uh, maybe they haven't strengthened the transfer market, but they all the same players who won the Champions League last year and conceded, what, like 20 goals in the Premier League last year? They're still there. So players like Robertson and, uh, and Alexander-Arnold are probably going to continue that pace. It's just whether, I guess, you can find players past that to get real good value in your in your backline, and that that can be difficult. Um, what, what I was going to say about buying players that uh, you know, dark horses that we're going to get to in a second, but players that will develop in value and build in value, and I guess kind of push your own salary cap up if you've held them throughout the time that they've raised in price, is that I, I feel like that kind of varies year to year for me personally on like how I how I feel about all of those prospects like this year I I'm not super in love I can see certain players who have been brought in like the Joe Ellingtons and Wesley's and all of these uh Port Pablo Fornals at West Ham all of these players you you can see them working out but at the same time I'm not like 100% certain about 
them like I was with like David Brooks last year and with Raul Jimenez last year. And we both were with Diogo Jota when he uh, came in with Wolves last year. And all those players ended up really building over the course of the season. And part of the reason I felt like I did really well is because I had a couple of them and enabled me to build my budget. So I see what you mean, but uh, how do you feel about like the overall crop of players this year that you have to pick from that are kind of, you know, not really like what known commodities in the Premier League yet, but you think you you think they could build in value? There's a few of them. Uh, players like Joe Ellington, uh, Wesley, like the new strikers on teams that have made big money moves. Holler, um, someone who's like seven point five mil. Do you if, do you like them score, this year more than you did like previous seasons? Do you, do you see any sort of like? Yeah, dip? I think that there's just there's a lot of them this year, and yeah. Some of them might be misses, but yeah, it feels like the Premier League splashed a lot of cash. There's a lot of new faces, and yeah, there's a lot of players that you can that you can look that you that are there that you know aren't previous stars or like I said are making the step up from a from a lower team to a bigger team. And yeah, it's just sometimes those players can really really come on, and you really got to watch those players closely. So we're going to talk a little bit more about our uh, dark horse slash value picks to uh, keep an eye on over this Premier League season or maybe get some value out of if they their value starts to build over the course of the season. We're going to go position by position and pick uh, one player or maybe even two if we're feeling generous uh, from each uh, position list uh, that you should keep an eye on. I'm going to start for the goalkeepers by saying uh, I'm not in love with Dean Henderson. But he's 4.5 million. He's going to start every single game, and I mean every single game for Sheffield United. Uh, he was just the England U21s goalkeeper at the uh, the U21 Euros this summer. Now England did not do well, uh, but that was where I first really started watching him. And then you go back and read just people's overall assessment of him in the in the Championship. And whereas the the rest of the Sheffield United team does have. Uh, gaps in athleticism, gaps in technical ability. Uh, Dean Henderson in goal seems to be the only player that everyone just kind of comes to the same conclusion that he's ready for the Premier League and that he dominated in the championship last year. And if they're going to have any sort of a sniff of uh, staying up in the Premier League, which I don't personally feel like they will, but he's going to have to have a a, a hell of a season. And he... I think he's perfectly capable of it, uh, and I think by the end of the season, you can see him go up to five or five point five if Sheffield are end up having to play a little bit more defensively, and uh, he, he, there's a bit more of a focus on him getting well, not five point five, but maybe maybe five. Five, yeah, maybe. five. Uh, Calm down there. Yeah, he's he's the Neil. He's Etheridge. not going to be the season. He's the Neil uh, Etheridge of this season, is what I'm saying. He's. He's gonna. He's gonna be exciting to watch. He's gonna get a lot of action. There's gonna be a lot of shots peppered at his goal, and the save points are gonna be there for him. Uh, don't forget that Lucas Fabianski was top three or top four in goalkeeping points last season. I think I think he conceded the most goals of any keeper in the Premier League. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it, it could be a difficult game to kind kind of pin down, but these t- keepers can have their value. Javier, who do you like? Yeah, I got uh, the recent acquisition, uh, Villa's most recent acquisition, Tom Heaton. Uh, I think that he was a great goalie for Burnley, but goalie just had Burnley just have an excess uh, glut of you know pretty decent English goalies, and yeah, I think he'll be he'll be really good for Villa. And at four point five mil, he's I think he's going to be good value. And much like Henderson, I think he'll he'll punch above his weight. There'll be a lot of games where he'll save Villa. And he might not get a clean sheet, 
but he'll probably make seven, eight, nine saves in some games and, you know, maybe save a penalty here and there. So, yeah, I really like Heaton and I think he's still got a lot left in him. Sure. And Aston Villa uh, under Dean Smith have been a pretty sturdy defensive team. That seems to be what they kind of uh, lean towards rather than, you know, high octane attacking football. So that sets up well for someone like Heaton to get good statistics. Um, let's move on to defense. I'm going to stick with Aston Villa and uh, another one of their new additions, Matt Target, the left back that they just bought from Southampton. Uh, I believe he was loaned down to the championship last season. I cannot remember which team, but uh, he was playing Premier League games for Southampton uh, two years prior and I think three years prior too. So he's got a good amount of Premier League experience for someone that's priced at $4.5 million. Um, I tend to lean towards wingbacks when I'm trying to get defenders you know it's good to get like the obvious like dominant center backs like Van Dyke who's going to get on the end of set pieces and guys with a nose for the ball like that I can totally understand having them but otherwise pacey attacking fullbacks are I would say probably what you want to lean towards when you're when you're looking to up your chances of goals and assists from uh, the defender position Uh, he's Probably going to pop up with a few assists, but I think overall you want him more for uh, the possible uh, clean sheets that he can get with Aston Villa playing in that defensive system that I just mentioned. Uh, who do you have as your uh, value defender? Well, Alex, I have one of uh, one of your boys. Big Zoom. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, five mil for a Chelsea defender. Probably be pretty good value. I don't think you guys are going to be amazing defensively, but I think you guys will still possibly still be a top four defense in the league. And... Um, I think Zuma will probably be a big part of it if you are. And I think for $5 million, um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be starting every game for you guys this season if healthy. He's he's a big guy, big goal threat. And I think with you know some good players on set pieces, uh, I think he can get some goals as well for this Chelsea team. So I, I'll, I liked Zuma uh, last year for Everton and the year before for Stoke. And he gets bonus points as well because he makes a lot of tackles and yeah, I just I think for five million he's he's a lot of value. I just think Chelsea right now they're beginning of the season form. He might not be the best to pick up right now, um, especially the first couple of games. You don't know 100 percent he's going to start, but I think within the first three or four games, I think you'll have a pretty good pretty good idea of if he starts or not, and uh, you know how good that Chelsea backline will be. So keep an eye on him. Yeah, there's maybe three positions total in Chelsea's lineup right now. Maybe four that I'm like confident. I know who's going to start in that position. And, you know, even at center back, Zuma isn't 100% uh, nailed on to start the first game. I, I, I'm optimistic, but even so, that first game's at United and Chelsea have a pretty difficult opening to their season. I like the prediction of him adding to his goals because that was one of the things I most liked about him when we, when Chelsea bought him when he was 18 from Saint Etienne. He came to the, into the team and, like, his athleticism just. He just literally jumped off the screen when he was going up for uh, for set pieces, and he would score a good amount of goals. But he had the ACL injury that kept him out for a year. He had the first year back at Stoke where I don't remember him scoring. I'm sure he did, but I, I remember thinking that his goal threat had significantly dropped off. And then near the end of the season last year for Everton, he it came back and he became much more of like a potent uh, threat off set pieces. I think he even grabbed two or three goals. So it's... Perfectly reasonable to suggest that he, in a Frank Lampard system that's more about, you know, not so much the style of it, but more the substance, just trying to lob balls into the box at times if we really need to. He's going to be a weapon for sure. Uh, midfield. I, I would say midfield is 
it's got the most value available in it. You know, you're you're pretty much making a choice of two or three players all around the seven million to eight million range if you're already picking one of the high end midfielders. And then if you have still have space to spare, maybe you go for one of these guys as your very last midfielder, your cheapest midfielder. Uh, I'm going to suggest Nathan Redmond, the winger from Southampton. He's six point five million, so not quite like complete uh, bargain. But I would say that he's one of Raf Hasenhutl's most important creative players, maybe the most important creative player uh, in Southampton's lineup. Uh, he really came on Pep at the end of the him. season. Pep loves but him. Pep, Pep would be like, put him on Pep your fantasy team. can't get enough team. of him. <laughs> then Pep, I need 11 Nathan Redmonds and win the Champions League. What if City had just gone out and signed Nathan Redmond just for the just for the banter, just to like, so Pep could I just I think they tried. Him. They were, they were, but they were, they offered probably like 30 million and Southampton were like, no, like he's our most important player. We'll get relegated without him. 70 million. You know, they're pulling the Zaha. Wait, but he was another one that under Mark Hughes, he was just kind of neutered. Like he wasn't really allowed to go forward and be just committed to creating and trying to make something happen in the in the attacking third. And then he was just given too much to do. But once Hassan Huddle came in, he immediately like sprang into life and it was like he was a new player. Uh, I'm hoping he continues that. I'm, I, I don't personally have him in my team, but he's going to be one that I definitely keep an eye on for when their schedule eases up because I do think they have they have a, a game away at Burnley to start the season, and then uh, I, I think they play a couple of top six teams soon after that. So uh, keep an eye on Nathan Redmond. Javier, you picked someone in your midfield that I specifically said in our transfer pod, don't pick him up for your fantasy fantasy team or anything. Convince me why I'm wrong. <laughs> Well, I think first of all, mine is Ceballos. Uh, I think that for five point five mil, I'm 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 pretty sure. I, uh, this isn't again like I probably not someone I would pick um, initially in your initial team, um, but he I think he's going to be starting in the first you know within the first couple of games he'll become a regular starter for Arsenal and Arsenal has just the way that Emery has set up the midfield. There's a freedom for a lot of our midfielders to you know, get to the top of the 18 and get a shot at goal. And someone like Ceballos is going to get opportunities. Um, our forwards both create opportunities for the midfielders. And yeah, they get a lot of shots off. And I think he's going to be getting goals and assists, um, especially with the front three of, of, you know, Nicolas Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette. I think that he's going to have a vast array of, of players to inter- interchange with and, and get, um, you know, fantasy points with. So he's definitely better than I thought. And as much as you you think that he's not going to be, um, I don't think he's going to be like a deep lying player for us. I think he may be a transitional player, but he he's seems for sure going to be a, enough. a transitional player. I just, you know how much I love Danny Ceballos, but. I love a lot of players that I would never pick up in fantasy. I love N'Golo Kante. I would never have N'Golo Kante in my fantasy team. It's just, that's not what they're out there to do. They're not out there to make the play that ends up on the stat sheet most of the time. They're out there to sort of knit everything together. I mean, Jorginho is another one. If Jorginho starts taking penalties for Chelsea this season, maybe I would get him. But even then, you're thinking... This guy can get, usually on average at most, he's going to get the two points for the 90 minutes started and then a clean sheet. And like, what what goal and assist output for Danny Ceballos would you say he's uh, gone above expectations in the Premier League specifically? Uh, what? I'd say maybe more than five goals and more than eight assists. I think even that would be pretty high. 
Like he's a really good player, but the the assists and goals, he, that's not what he's out there for. It, it has never been what or he's been out there for. Or maybe five and five. How about that? Five goals and five assists. I think that'd be like a very good season for him. But would you would you be happy if you had him in your team at five point five for the whole season in that in that situation, and he only had five goals and five? No, assists? but if he was if he was if he had like a good vein of form, and yeah, if we had a good run of games where our strikers are going to be getting a lot of goals, then yeah, I think he'd be decent value. I think he's probably a little bit more value than someone like Shaka or I don't know. I think it's close between someone like him and. You know, Torreira or Xhaka, someone else in Arsenal's midfield, they both get goals and are probably going to get three, four, five goals themselves during the year. I just think that each one of them has merit at any point in time. You know, when they're on form, they're going to be picking up some goals. So, okay. Uh, well, let's move on to the forwards. There's plenty of value forwards, as we mentioned earlier. You went for one of those, and I went for someone. Completely out of the blue. I went for uh, Mason Greenwood, uh, the 19-year-old forward from Manchester United. Uh, We saw a little sneak peek of him at the end of last season. He was the best player on the field for United in their final uh, game of the season that they lost at home to Cardiff. Uh, But I'd seen maybe a little bit of him in like games against Chelsea in the youth teams and thought he was their best player, but I wasn't sure how his uh, his pace was going to translate. You, you want to be optimistic, but until you see a young player out there playing with the the bigger and stronger and equally as fast guys, you you don't really know. And I saw enough in the couple of games that he played uh, with the the senior team last year that I and of course in preseason this year where he's been probably one of United's best players that I'm I'm ready to just eat the 4.5 invest in two forwards that I'm pretty confident or extremely confident are going to do well and just have Mason Greenwood for when he eventually breaks into United's lineup because I'm pretty confident he can lock down that right wing position if they don't sign anyone between now and Friday. And we've seen a couple rumors of Dybala and uh who else? Bruno Fernandez, but he's not really a winger. I think uh, the 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 Dybala one's off. That's the Dybala one is now off. Not right. So that's yeah, that's what that's, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Mason Greenwood could be that guy. They don't really have anyone else that's suited to play on that right wing other than uh, Marcus Rashford, and it looks like he's going to be the preferred man in, in the center. So Mason Greenwood, to me, is just as good as Marcus Rashford was at probably 17. He's, so he's slightly behind Rashford in terms of his like growth growth curve or whatever. But at 19, he's probably one of the best 19-year-olds that's uh, breaking onto the scene in England today. He he seems like a, a left. I think he's better than Callum Hudson Odoi, Alex. I think he's right there with him. Yeah, wow. They're, I think they're the same like caliber of player for their age. Callum's a little younger; he's eighteen. But uh, you know, they, they they've got a good amount of young players at United. Uh, Tati Chong is another one that's uh, maybe being considered a bit more than Greenwood and uh, Angel Gomez, the attacking midfielder. So there's there's a few youngsters that could break into the team this season, but my money's going to be on Mason Greenwood. If you see him get a two or three game run in the team and they start to pick up points during those games, pick him up at 4.5 just so when he does eventually score or assist, you will be already there when his value skyrockets up to 5 million in like a week. I can see it now. Javier, who do you have? Uh, I've got Wesley, uh, my boy from Club Bruges that I've mentioned previously on the last prod on the transfer pod. Um, a big money signing from Aston Villa. 
and a player that uh, I think is is going to do well in the Premier League. He's tall, he's skilled, and yeah, I just think that he's going to be somewhat like Richarlison, um, just a bull and a player that gives every team that they play against, you know, home and away problems. So for six million, I think he's going to be a value pick. Um, I think that he could get double-digit goals in the league, which would definitely be good for someone six million and. Yeah, I think that it might be it might take a little bit of sorting out for Aston Villa to start getting, you know, getting the goals. You know, they have a lot of new players, so it might take a little time for all of them to mesh. But I would watch Wesley because if he gets, you know, if they get a good run of games and he, you know, he he could definitely be uh, banging in, you know, one or two goals, uh, you know, in, in every home game uh, in, in a stretch of this season. So, yeah, he's he's a he's a player who. I'm very excited to watch in the Premier League. I think he's going to add to the quality of the league. And him, Joe Ellington, Holler, these are all, you know, big money strikers that have come from 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 other leagues. And I think they're all they're all. I think they all should be good in the Premier League. I don't think they all will be, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see see if they if they do. Yeah, just quickly on Aston Villa. I think I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about uh, Target, and we were talking about Heaton. But their opening to the season, I'm not crazy about. Uh, it's at Tottenham on the opening day, and then they have home games against Bournemouth and Everton, then an away game at Palace, home West Ham, and at Arsenal. And then there's a couple of 50-50 games there, but those are all games that, you know, it's not the top six in every single one of those games, and there are a few home games sprinkled in there, but those are all really tough teams (laughs) that usually start well in Bournemouth and Everton. Uh, So I'm... Yeah, it, um, that's why I'm probably going to stay away from probably most Aston Villa players at first and then jump on when I start to see their team settle in a little bit more and see them have like a fixed 11 uh, for most weeks. So before we sign off for uh, the night, uh, we're going to give you one player each that we are 100% staying away from. I don't know what your cr- total criteria was for this, Javier, but I'm picking Marcus Alonso. I, like I mentioned with uh, Chelsea players in the past who talked about Zuma, there's... Maybe only a few that I think are completely uh, cemented in the starting 11. And, you know, maybe Alonso starts on Sunday against United and I kind of look like an idiot. But I think that position at left back is perfectly open between him and Emerson. You know, they both have their qualities, but they both have their glaring weaknesses. Uh, So at 6.5, he's the same price as Virgil van Dijk. And, you know, just if you're not going to get Virgil van Dijk, then... Spend 0.5 more and go get one of Trent Alexander-Arnold or, or Robertson. Go go spend the same amount of money on one of three players that was part of the best defense in the league last season, or one of the best defenses in the league last season, and can get you plenty of assists or goals. So uh, maybe Alonso makes me look like an, an idiot. I'm totally ready for that to happen, but until that happens, I'm going to probably stay away. Uh who are you thinking, and why are you staying away from him? Yeah, I got I got another kind of surprising one. Uh, Matt Doherty. A player who did really, really well last year, got a bunch of goals and assists for Wolves. But I just think his price is ridiculous. Six mil uh, for a Wolves defender. I don't think Wolves will be as good defensively this year as they were last year. And I don't think they will be as successful against the top six. So, yeah, I think that they're going to have Europa this year. I think they're going to fall off a little bit. I think, you know, Doherty could get injured here or there. I just also their start for the season is pretty brutal. They have a pretty hard start to the season. Right. He's currently injured too. Yeah, it's just there's there's a lot. A lot going against him right now. and Do you want to hear yeah. their starts of the season? I've got it right here. It's uh, at Leicester, home United, home Burnley, at Everton, home Chelsea, 
at Palace for six games. It's uh, pretty rough. <laughs> um, uh, that makes me feel better about Chelsea's chances uh, against them a few weeks in. Because, like you said, they have Europa League qualifying still to go through. And uh, even once they qualify for Europa League, they, we, we're still yet to see whether their squad can uh, live up to the demands of both Premier League and Europa League group stage games. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. That wraps it up for us here on the Ghost Goal Podcast Fantasy Premier League Edition. Once again, the league name is Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League, and the league code to enter when you uh, search the league is DMVNZ0. Uh, go create your team. Join us in the league. We had 30 people last year uh, and want to try and grow it even more this year. So uh, go build your team now before the games kick off on Friday. Even if you miss this first week, join in. I had my little brother joined in last season after the first week of games, and he didn't finish last place. So uh, there's, there's still hope for you yet. Um, Javier, thanks for coming on and uh, doing this quick pod with us. Uh, and uh, we'll be back later this week to give our top six preseason uh, preview and then to uh, look ahead this weekend to the games uh, in the first week of the season and, of course, wrap up the transfer window that closes on Thursday night. So for Javier and myself, 